It's bonus time, where Honored Athletics LLC would allow us to present to you the audio version of their weekly Friday night YouTube series. Let's get to it and see what the crew has in store this week. You are tuned in to Athletics LLC with Lamar, Lucius, Big League Chu, him, my man Clyde, and the governor. About to be schooled in all things track and field. This is experience. Yes, sir. We are talking past, past present, present, future. future. Y'all listen up. Let's go. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. <laughs> it's another fun episode. I'm already starting the episode laughing, so you know it's only going to get better from here. So, welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, obviously, you two see two new faces, and we'll definitely get to introducing them but uh we'll uh, we'll welcome the returners and save the newbies the best for last so lamar i saw 62 huffins i didn't get it but i just got it got it how are you tonight sir uh i'm great i have been a yankee fan since i was four years old um and i got to see the 62nd home run hit by mr aaron judge in person totally on a whim Shout out to the uh, Texas Rangers scout that gave me the tickets. Um, I was able to take the kids. It was awesome. Nice. Good stuff. Uh, Clyde, how are you this evening, sir? Um, I have survived the uh, tornado that was my day. And I'm here with two legends and then the rest of the show. So, <laughs> good. <laughs> wow. So I'm going to guess that you had a guest appearance with compliance or something today or something. <laughs> I had a guest appearance with everybody today. Oh, my gosh. Uh, gonna, the governor. Well, I don't know what just tried to come out of my mouth. Governor, how are you tonight, sir? Doing well. You know, we're, we're, in, <clears throat> we're in that month, the October month, you know, mm -hmm. where, you know, all of a sudden there is a 40 degree difference between when you wake up in the morning and when you get to midday, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, interesting stuff. But um, other than that, doing well, everybody's fine and can't wait to do this show. This is exciting. Right, right, right. Well, um, <laughs> if you don't recognize the two other tiles, I'm going to need you to check yourself real quick. And uh, I, I don't know where you've been for a while now, but um, definitely we'll get started and welcome Miss Abby Steiner and her coach Tim Hall. Welcome, welcome. Abby, how are you tonight? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks for jumping on. I promise this is, we're going to try to make it one of the more fun Zoom calls that you have. So, uh, <laughs> it already <laughs> has been, so. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Tim Hall, how are you tonight, sir? Doing well, doing well, doing fantastic. As I alluded to earlier, we're back to training. We have this superstar young lady back in the, the training mode so all is well all right the pieces pieces arrived dust has settled normalcy can return right isn't that weird how we feel abnormal whenever that happens absolutely, absolutely. i mean we are gluttony for pain that is for sure we are uh, definitely <laughs> gluttons for pain anyhow well um definitely i'll open the floor for the gentleman to i know they're already like salivating and ready to ask a couple <laughs> questions look at it like they're like perched <laughs> well go. yeah i mean when, when you told us who was going to be on the show tonight i mean there were there were a couple you know um 
question marks like, and Abby? Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> right, right. We didn't hear okay. about Abby till the last minute. Exactly. Yeah. Respectfully, we're so happy. We can't here, give y'all all the toys at once. That's right. right. That's right. We're happy to see Tim. We love Tim, but <laughs> we got Abby. So, so, so many, so many questions. Um, I mean, this came to my mind, and and yes, I mean, I I have been one. Uh, one of the coaches on these panel on this panel that has been following your career uh, from high school and you know and I remember the grainy video you know this 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 young lady just doing incredible things and um, and then we get the news that you know you're coming to Kentucky to play soccer right and uh, so we're all just kind of like okay all right she, she's made her decision right and then the decision changes to, to 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 run track and I'm sure Tim at that point was dancing a jig um, but um, but I I want to know and this is just one of my many questions I want to know what you've taken from your time playing soccer and if if anything has anything translated into what you do in track um, mm -hmm. is there anything about your soccer days that you still hold on to that that has helped you be successful in track Mm -hmm. That's a good question because they definitely are very different sports. Track is obviously you are working together as a team for the team points, but really what that comes down to is you doing your individual job where soccer is you literally depend on everyone, all 11 on the field from goalie to forward to get that ball down the field. Um, I think that a lot of my work ethic that I have today came from my soccer days. I started playing club soccer really young at like eight years old. Um, so I just grew up in such a competitive sports environment where everyone was willing to work hard and, you know, there to support each other. And I mean, soccer is a grind. You're playing 90 minutes and you're running the entire time. I was running like 10 miles a game or something like that. So I think a lot of what I learned from soccer is just almost that like work ethic of how to dig deep in those moments when it hurts. Um, and I think obviously a lot of that applies to track workouts because every track workout hurts in its own way. So um, I think a lot of that and then you know, obviously the team stuff does translate and helped me to, you know, be a leader for our team to finish third place. But yeah, I would say a lot of that work ethic applies from soccer to what I'm doing today. All right. Before you jump in there, Clyde, I want to I want to throw one question in because it's kind of related to the same soccer situation. So, Abby, I'm old and I uh, I used to be friends with a, a bunch of people on, on on the, we'll say the original US women's soccer team. Uh -huh. And Mia Hamm was always known as the fastest player in the world. And she was substantially faster than everybody else in the soccer field. Mia Hamm is like thrower fast in comparison to you. I've never seen you play soccer, but I cannot imagine you on a soccer field, <laughs> right? Like I, I just can't imagine that because the, like those people are grinders. They're not fast like that. So, like, I'm not questioning your skills at all. I'm just wondering, was it like almost like little kid soccer where it's like you just kicked the ball in front of you and just ran real fast? Okay. My skill, my skill was that, well, of course, you have to be technical. I couldn't yeah, yeah. be a soccer player if I didn't have technique. However, a lot of my skill set was 
<laughs> was running. And I think that's why, like, eventually I looked that sport in the face and I was like, okay, what do I actually enjoy about soccer? Well, I enjoy running up and down the field. So maybe this isn't actually the sport I enjoy and I enjoy the running part of it. Um, but yeah, that was a big strength of mine. And I was always a outside player. So I was constantly just like making runs and getting through balls. And like, that was, that was my thing. But like you, you said, were, you were great. a winger. You were a winger. Yeah. I okay. was mostly um, outside back growing up and okay. then we kind of played around with it when I came to college. But yeah, basically my whole club soccer career, I was, uh, I think we played like a 4-4 four, four, or a 4-3-3. Four, three, three. So I was one of those two outside backs and I would just run up and down the field the whole game. Yeah, <laughs> so. that's, that's all I can yeah, picture. It's just like, it's like they're all in dial-up and she's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Lamar, now, nowadays she would be considered a hybrid, you know, the, the, cause today's, today's soccer, requires the, the folks that to be able to play both ways mm -hmm. to be able to get down and defend and also get up you know to to score so mm -hmm. um i i can un, i can truly see if she was still playing now that she would be one of those uh um goal post to goal post uh, mm -hmm. soccer players um yeah yeah so <clears throat> in the last 30 minutes when i found out abby was going to be on <laughs> I, I had to find a way to manipulate one of the main questions that I wanted to ask, but it, the subject matter totally differently applies to both of you. Um, we talk a lot about the business of our sport or lack thereof, uh, the professionalism of our sport. Definitely and lack one thereof. thing that I've always been very impressed with and complimentary of as it relates to Tim is he found a way to hold on to Christian as an athlete when the industry probably was against it. And now Abby being the star coming out of this class, it's the same thing. So I want to know, you know, from both of your perspectives, like how have you been able to successfully navigate staying where you should be with the people that you've been working with when the industry by and large doesn't want any part of that? Well, I think, um, and I'll, I'll jump in first. I think continuity has its place in this business. And if you look at the, the history of kids who kind of just jump from coach to coach, there's not a lot, a great deal of longevity in, in that process. Um, I'm of the mindset, this is about rapport. You know, the, this is, this relationship, this rapport between Abby and I started, heck, when I was at Tennessee, you know, like I said, she was on a recruiting visit there. <laughs> had the opportunity to sit down with her and her parents. And I felt like there was a bond even in that conversation. And, you know, it just made things twice as, as good when I got to Kentucky and I had the opportunity to work with her. Um, it all comes down to relationship rapport. you know, her trusting me with, with her career, uh, her trusting, you know, the process in terms of being able to get her in a position where she could merge her brand with a, with a shoe company brand. Um, I think all those things, that continuity there has its place in this business. And those who don't believe in that or they, they allow shoe companies to dictate that, I think um, does, does them a, a, a disservice, so to speak. You know, it, yeah. I, I think it, it, again, it all comes down to that relationship that you build through, that, through the college years the trial and error, you know, um, and then 
them continuing to trust the process and believe in what we're putting together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll piggyback off of that. I think that, you know, for every record that happened this year or a great moment, there were a lot of moments that weren't so great that Coach Hall was there for me for and helped me through. And I think when you just have a bond like that, um, there's like no one else that I would rather trust, that I would trust, you know, to be on this journey with. Um, and those moments matter. So, yeah, I agree with, with Coach Hall for sure. I, I think what, I love the answers. And I think kind of what, what Clyde was alluding to, I think was less of an issue, in my opinion, Clyde, because in Christian's case, he was the best guy. And in Abby's case, she was the best woman. Like if she was, let's say, the fifth best collegian coming out, right? Then the shoe companies feel as if they have more leverage to make demands, yeah. right? But but when when you're the best one, you're like, look, if you start with that, I got to move thing, we can just be done with this meeting, right? And so right. I think I think a lot of it come comes with being the best one because you have the leverage. Because I mean, we talked about this, we talked about it on this show a million times, right? Like. If, if shoe companies always wanted to be their idea, I don't know what that's about. I, I really don't. But they're they're okay with playing Russian roulette with people's careers because I completely believe with Coach Hall. Like you know, they did a study you know way back in the you know old in the olden days when I was on the Olympic team, and uh, Olympic medalists had fewer than one point five coaches in their careers as of two thousand. Right. So it just tells you, like, if you stay put, training is cumulative, trust the process, like all those things. Right. Um, but somewhere along the line, these shoe companies have got it into like there's college coaches and pro coaches, which literally makes no sense, because I think by all standards, we would all say Bobby Kersey is the best coach by ways of resume. Right. Well, hell, he was coaching the UCLA for like 80 percent of the things he's done. So it don't make any sense that they came to this, but at the end of the day, like that's what we got. So I'll say this, I'm glad that both you and Christian got to stay right where you are because your first year out of college, and I'm not trying to scare you, but your first year out of college, everybody will tell you this, it's the hardest one you ever have as a pro. It's four times harder if you add changing coaches to that. Right, yep. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, did the choice of shoe company factor into this? And I mean, you're, you can, you can answer the question or I answer the question, but you know, these are things that, you know, I feel like a lot of young people, young athletes, up and comers need to truly understand about how, you know, about how this business works or to at least have some idea of what's coming. You know, so the, the question there is, is you know, did, did your choice of shoe company factor into, you know, or was there conversations where people were telling you, you have to do X, Y, and Z in order to get X, Y, and Z? Because that, that is a fact. That is happening. Um, yeah, I will say one of my main points that I entered, you know, these meetings and mm-hmm. was, I think we were very clear going into it that switching coaches was not going to be an option. That is so awesome. Yeah. Everybody it. watching this show, we love that, it. Clip that and, and yes. yes. I think I'm I had serious. like two bullet points and I can't remember what the other 
one was, but I told Coach Hall this, and it was like one of them was I'm staying with Coach Hall, and those were you know because you go into it negotiating and talking mm-hmm. about things, and that was one that I was very upfront on that wasn't going to to budge. So good, wow. good for That's you, awesome. love it, love it, love it. <laughs> so Tim, I have a I have a question for you. So uh, every elite sprinter um has that one thing that 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 twang that style that's something about what they do that's unique i mean we can go back to bolt and the way you know with his scoliosis and how that changed the way he ran and the the difference in the leg length donovan bailey i mean i mean think about michael johnson and the way he ran so you i think you know where i'm going with this well how did you manage abby's unique arm swing and did that was there at any point where you were thinking I need to fix this or did you think I need to use this to her advantage well I'm always of the mindset of of meeting athletes where they are mentally and from an anthropometric standpoint oh say that again for the people please in the back. please say that again that. for the people in the back <laughs> we- Athletes where they are. Thank you. Say amen. Tabernacle. I I thought you. I thought you wanted him to throw the big word again. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, listen. We try to make we make this coaching thing more complicated than than it is. You know, Mm -hmm. we just again understand our athletes that we encounter. Try to cultivate the talent instead of trying to fix the talent. I think we all would be much better coaches. You know, the, the arm swing was was everyone else's problem. You know, mm-hmm. we, we put some things in place to help her get a little more mobile in her in their arm swing, but that was not the, the, the premise of what we were trying to get accomplished throughout the year. Um, as my grandfather, my mom, my dad used to tell me all the time, if it's not what well, they used to say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> So she she continued to run extremely fast. Um, You know, the arm swing was what it was. I was not going to interrupt our our season, our plan, our process, trying to confuse her. No, I need you to swing. Just just allow things to happen, you know, continue to trust the process and continue to, you know, allow allow things to happen. You know, it was it was something that we, we talked in depth about, but we weren't trying to put this elaborate plan together to change her arm swing. So, and it, and it worked out perfect. I mean, just keep it going. Cause if she runs fast enough, they're going to have coaches teaching kids to run. Listen, we laugh. We laugh. How many kids already happens. Look, already happens. See this right here. Look at me. How many kids oh, yes. started hurting yes. like this because Aries. of Aries Merritt? Yeah. 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 So, but at this point, they don't even know why they're doing it. No, not at all. They can't even tell you why. If, if Abby runs fast enough, every single co- little youth coach is going to be like, you need to run like this. Well, <laughs> I, I promise you, I promise you, and I'm not playing. Abby is the first person of any kind of note to move the way she does, you yeah. know, with her mm-hmm. arm. Yeah. I went to JO's this year. I saw four or five little kids mm-hmm. trying to do that. That's all it is. <laughs> right, it's all it's, no, Abby, listen. You you gotta listen. Lean into no, I'm, that. I'm so Own serious. That. It's okay. I'm look, so serious. Uh, what what do they say? Uh, 
it's not duplication, but but basically, co people copying you is the greatest compliment you ever have. Here's form of flattery. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, Abby, where where did that come from? Do you is there is there something that led to you running that way, or is that the only way you've known? I don't, I don't know. Um, oh, that's all you want? Do you want to take this? So I've, I've, I've done research on all her high school, 100 meters, 200 meters, and the arm swing was phenomenal. Yeah. My, mm -hmm. the arm, I think it was a collaboration school. of like her just getting stronger, lifting weights, and, you know, she just getting really strong in her upper body. And, you know, the next thing I know is like, it, it, it happened seriously it wasn't it wasn't planned it was not by design i mean wow. look at our high school our high school uh 100 meters or 200 meters i'm like man we need those arms you know? <laughs> but my but, knees i was like back kicking down the back stretch so i'm like which would you right, rather right. have and that was good enough. i'm like i'll take this front side mechanic <laughs> yeah over that back exactly so, yeah. no that's, that's actually i chose, I chose the the the, the, the better of two evils, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> that that actually makes it even more interesting than it yeah, already it is. Was. Yeah. Yeah. I See, I always thought originally, right? My original thought was it was from it was from soccer. It was something related to soccer. But I did the same thing that Coach Hall did. I was like, wait a minute. I'll go back and watch high school. I was like, right. yeah, no, it's not soccer. Right. She played soccer in high school, and the arms did not look like that. Right. But at the end of the day, here's the thing. Listen, Abby. I, look, we're kid with you, but I understand this. No one would ever teach anybody to run like Michael Johnson, except for when the clock stops. Exactly. So at the end of the day, just tell them, get like me. <laughs> there you go. You, you run any way you want to, right? But until you beat me, all right. But, you, better reckon, you better recognize these arms. <laughs> so, so, so another one that I think differently can relate to both of you. Yeah. Um, Abby, as I'm sure you know, our sport, for some reason, delivers a lot of legendary athletes out of Ohio. Mm -hmm. Oh, I wish Mouse was on right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh. He's missing it. He Listen, hears this, and it's you, you already know. Right now, you already I know. know. Like, yeah, he's about to hop on. Right? Yes. <laughs> Listen, you already know I, I would probably get in trouble for not asking an Ohio-based question in this instance, right? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So, you know, I I assume that you're aware of that history, but has have have you been being the next superstar coming out of Ohio? Have you given any thought to that? Have you does that mean anything to you? What does it mean to you? And to mm -hmm. for Coach Hall, you know, do you find that recruiting kids out of the Midwest is a thing that because I know a lot of people miss those kids. Like, do you feel like that those kids have a certain whatever? That, yeah. that makes them more inclined to, to be real at this. Right. I, I think there are a there are a number of diamonds in the, the proverbial diamond in the roughs out of the state of Ohio. You know, that the, the climate there is not really conducive to like outdoor training until later in the season. Um, you know, Kentucky is sort of in that same kind of climate, but you know, the indoor facilities and what have you. But my point is like when those kids you know, migrate to South or get in a program that has a little more warmer weather. And the training is conducive to cultivating and teaching and, uh, you know, progressing um, uh, student athletes, then yeah, you can, you can dust those diamonds off and, and you have your next Abby Steiner, so to speak, you know, 
I, I am truly convinced that there is something in the water in the state of Ohio. Mm -hmm. Because again, you look at the you look at the history <laughs> of the kids that have come out of there, they've all done extremely well in the right situation. So so was so was Ohio State an option, Abby? Um I my recruiting process was a little bit strange because soccer starts so early. Mm -hmm. Um so I went on a visit to Ohio State for soccer, and this was like my freshman year, but Ohio State is also like 20 minutes from where I grew up, um, and I oh. knew I wanted to branch out a little bit more than that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was a little bit kind of tricky finding schools because I was going through my recruiting process for soccer when I was like halfway through my freshman year of high school, and of course, track and field is like junior, senior year. So it was really just finding, you know, the right fit that was going to meet all of my needs. Um, but I knew I wanted to go SEC and wanted to branch out a little bit more from Ohio. Yeah. Okay, now, Kerry, you distracted her from my question. I know. I know. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, to answer your question, I have given a lot of thought on you know, ways that I can maybe give back to that Ohio community, that track community. And I I don't know the best ways yet, but I thought of maybe ways I could like host my own meet and do something for kids through that. Um, but the Ohio track community was such a beautiful thing growing up. I mean, our state meet was always packed and you could just tell like people there like loved going there and loved following track. And I still have people watching me who will like comment that they're from Ohio and comment at me and stuff like that. So it really does mean a lot to me. So yeah, I've definitely, um, you know, now that I have all my things figured out from a professional standpoint out of college, I've been thinking of a way I can maybe give back to where I grew up or how that, how that looks for Ohio, but we'll see. All right. Uh, I want to switch lanes and ask a pro track question uh you are incredibly gifted and what we call uh rangy so the question i have i guess is for both of you um are we still gonna run all three mm. still running the one and the two and obviously some fours in order to be the four <laughs> by four monster that you are are we for lack of better terms, go on the Allison model where we like, we run the two, but we're fast enough to be on the four by one and strong enough to be on the four by four. Are we ever planning on a four, two double? You know, inquiring minds want to know. And they only want to know, not because anybody wants to pigeonhole you. Listen, our sport is so hard to be good at one thing that anybody, and trust me, I know a little bit about this, anybody who's good at multiple things, like people want to know. Like they're intrigued and inquiring minds want to know. So I would be completely remiss if I didn't ask the question everybody wants to know. Uh, a, is there a plan to remove or add? And B, if so, what you know, where, where do we need to go see you run this, that, or the third? Well, I'll start by answering that question. We're gonna we're gonna continue to do do the things that that got us in this position. You know, we're going to uh, be relentless in our pursuit. Of, of, of a couple of things, fitness, uh, knowledge, you know, things of that nature that's going to sustain her throughout her career. Um, she will run some 400s, um, 
she's going to run some 60s, she's going to run some ones, she's going to run some twos. I mean, we're going to stick to the process that, that put us in this position to, to have those inquiries about um, the range that, that she's able to, to, to cover. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I am with it. We, we have these conversations all the time about, you know, because sometimes the narrative can get overwhelming, you know, everybody want to see this and then you lose sight of what's, what's really important. And that's the process, the things that got us to this position. And I think when an athlete or a coach loses that, that insight or that process, then that's when the problems ensue, in my opinion. So we're going to stick to what's, what, what's, what's worked and you know what's gotten us in this position to start. So to to touch on that, um, so between the indoor and outdoor season, am I correct that you ran fifty six races in twenty twenty two? I think it was fifty seven. Okay, yeah. the the collegiate who's, who's counting? Who's counting? Right. <laughs> tell them. Tell them. So so here's my question. So there's an ebb and flow to the season. Mm -hmm. ups and downs condition you know your physical condition goes up and down you're basically as a coach tim you're you're trying to make sure that the downs don't occur when things really need to be up right um i'm curious to know abby like throughout this season can you identify those times when it was just like man like this is not happening and how you manage that, because you had a long time. When you think about from when you started to when your season ended, I mean, that's a lot of hills and valleys, mm -hmm. a lot of hills and valleys. So I'm curious to know, like, if you can identify those times where it was just like, man, this is a, this is a hike, mm -hmm. as opposed to the times when you were like, okay, it's time to roll. Yeah, I will say that I feel like as an athlete, I am usually very good at staying present and like it's super cliche but like literally taking it one day one race at a time I mean you have to be present in a season like that otherwise you're gonna look ahead and it's gonna be so daunting staring a whole indoor and outdoor season in the face so short-term short memory as you yeah were. exactly mm -hmm. I think like physically I have never really had um a hard time because I've always tried to be super mindful when I'm at meets or at practice I think the times that I struggled this year and me and coach have kind of talked about this was when things got overwhelming for me outside of trying um, to talk okay. about that narrative I think that and like for me so that's handled in a different way so for me that was like getting off like social media because to me like I am always ready to compete and like track and field is what I love to do so I'm never like going to practice like oh my gosh I have to go to practice today like I'm excited to go to practice I'm excited to run um so I think for me handling those moments where I'm feeling like oh I don't know if I'm you know ready to get out there or I'm nervous for this meet or what have you is just like removing what I need to remove, controlling the controllables. And to me, that was like getting off of social media, tuning into my people, talking to my parents, stuff like that. Um, I think that was what helped me most in a season like this when there was so much going on mm -hmm. was to kind of tap into those things that are good for my mental health. And in turn, that was when I ran the best. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I want to 
I'm late to the party and I apologize. So uh, you, you missed the Ohio, very, you missed the Ohio portion. We, we asked the Ohio question. Lucer, Lucer. Okay, I mean, we're, we're great. So I just leave, we'll leave it at that. And, um, <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, and also, I just, I wanted to say, I was glad to be get to get on just in time for the subtle flex of, I know what it is to do multiple things. Um, Jeez. Very, very, very happy. That wasn't subtle though. Very subtle at all. It was meant to be educational. She wasn't born when I was good at track. So I had to <laughs> help her a little bit. And we shall move on. And I also want to say that you know, great question, Governor. But I, I, I happen to have a front row seat for the the Abby Steiner show this year. <laughs> there were no valleys. Sir. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> there, there, there might have been some medium peaks, but there were no valleys. <laughs> a pothole or two, maybe. Yeah. No, no, not even a pothole. Just not like even a pothole. Just, just like, okay, we're, we're, going, we're going to come off the gas for a minute. But yeah, you know. So I, I, I do have a question for Coach Hall, if if I may. Um, you know. You know, there's a lot of assistant coaches out there that have this angst and this, I, I need to be a head coach deal, right? And if there's an assistant coach out there that has a resume to be a head coach, it's definitely Timothy Hall. You know, what would be your message to them that keeps you focused on doing the things that you do? Because I mean, for those of you who don't know, go do your homework. Abby's the latest, greatest, but she's not the first by far. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Well, I, I look at I look at this business like this, Coach, uh, and it's a great question. You know, when you first get in this business, you're always striving to be the best. You you pray and you ask God for certain opportunities. Um, I've I've prayed several times to be in this moment where I am right now, under the leadership that I am currently under having the autonomy to, to work with athletes like, like Abby and Christian and some of the others that I've had the opportunity to encounter. Um, what we forget sometimes as coaches is that we pray for this, you know what I mean? And, you know, I look at it like, I pray for this moment and, but God, I prayed for it basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I have to sit back and some, especially when the opportunities present themselves, I have to really go into deep meditation about, is this right for me or is, and my family? Or is this, is this my moment? Is this, what I, is, is this what I've been praying for all the time? And it's right here in my face and I'm not appreciating it. I'm not grateful for it. I'm looking for the next thing. So I have to sit in quietude a, a great deal just to, just to reflect on this moment, you know, and who the athletes that I'm responsible for, the leadership, the direction that, that God want me to continue uh, to go, um, you know, because it's not about this blue t-shirt, it's not about Coach Hall, it's about, and I wholeheartedly believe this, it's about the, life, the outcome of the life, lives that mm -hmm. I encounter and our paths mm -hmm. cross, and me being able to make a difference you know, so I, my advice to the assistants right now, one, first learn how to be a phenomenal assistant. In the event that, in the event that, you know, you get an opportunity to be a head coach, you know, you know exactly what to look for and what not to look for when you start your hiring process. <laughs> so I, I, I take great pride in, in all the head coaches that I've had the opportunity to, to work on, under and be mentored by. Um, 
But this is a moment that I, I prayed for ever since I started this full time back at UNC Charlotte. I, I would, we would come to Florida Relays and it was this, this guy just running around, just kicking everybody's ass. <laughs> <laughs> and so it be. <laughs> you know, I was trying to be nice tonight. And here you go. Okay. But, all right. but you it's know, all you know, right. I, I say that to say this coach. And, and again, this is where I am in this moment, in this space. Like I prayed for it. You know, I, I, I have to be grateful in this moment so that, I don't get too far ahead of what he has ordained for. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of us think it's about us, about the how much money we make, you know, the color of the, the you know, the sexy t-shirt that we wear. No, it's bigger than that. It's about the-, the Did you say the scented t-shirt that you I said the yes. sexy t-shirt. Sexy t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that was t-shirts, meaning SEC t-shirts. You know how y'all are. Uh, no, no, no. no. See, I'm are. just, I wanted to see, I had to, you know, you know, it, you know, sure, the, the, you know. The, the, the ones you see in all the retail stores, the, the Florida, oh, okay. and the, the Gators. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, okay. I, okay. I've got a couple of them. I've got a couple of them. Oh. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm grateful for where I am. I'm grateful for all the, uh, the, the paths that I've been able to impact, the lives that I've been able to impact. Um, I received, uh, well, one of my former athletes, Sharice Woods, was inducted into the Hall of Fame back at mm-hmm. Charlotte, and she was just so grateful for the, the mentorship that I provided for her, and, you know, watching it, you know, I got so emotional because I, I knew her story, I knew, you know, how she, what, what state she was in when she arrived at Charlotte, and the opportunities that our rapport was able to put her in a position where she could do the things that she's doing now. And she was so grateful. And I'm like, that's why I get up every morning, kiss yep. my wife and go to work to do what I do. If, if that answers your question. Uh, also another shout out. Very well said. You're smart, smart enough to put your wife in there. You're smart enough. <laughs> cause, cause she's, cause she's going to watch this be That's my man right there. <laughs> All right. So I know, I know, we're running out of time and she's going to cut us off at some point. But at what Abby said in her last response threw me another question. This for both of y'all. For what I would imagine multiple reasons. Um, Abby season her as an athlete in general seems to be a very polarizing topic in our industry. Yes. Right. And she mentioned having to get off social media, focus, handle her business. But how do both, how did both of you, you know, deal with that reality in the moment? Because a lot of it didn't make sense to us. A lot of us who are pure fans of the sport are like, look, she's phenomenal. She's girls fast. Why are we not just celebrating how awesome she is? So from an athlete and a coach's perspective, like how did, how do you guys deal with that reality? Well, I, I tried to, continue to just keep her level-headed you know she'd come to me uh, we we discuss everything you know all the narratives that that are presented and I just try to keep her focused on what's important right now and what was important in that moment was the next opportunity you know if you get caught up in all the the narratives and you're trying to please you know this group versus this group you lose sight of what's important this moment and the things that we have to get done as a um, 
as a unit. Um, so it was, it was pretty simple for me. It's like, look, these are the goals. These are the things you told me you wanted to get done. And these, these other peripheral things are just distraction and they're going to keep you from, from accomplishing the goal. So, you know, getting off so social media was one avenue in terms of keeping mm -hmm. her focused on the task at hand. Um, she understood that she, she, you know, got off social media, was able to kind of redirect her focus and, you know, things just kept, kept getting better for her. Yeah, I think like uh, Coach Hall said, remaining focused on the the goals at hand. There are not shortcuts in this sport, um, and you cannot cheat the work that goes into this sport. And I think when I'm getting on that line, I'm running 200 meters. My clock starts at zero, and my goal is to be the first one to cross it. Um, and that's going to happen by me and Coach Hall you know, being on the same page, talking it out, doing what we need to do and just putting our head down and working. So I think, um, yeah, we talked things out, got off social media and remained focused and the rest kind of played out from there. May I ask one more question, Madam Chu, Madam Big Lee? <laughs> of course. <laughs> okay, so um, I wanna ask this of Abby, like there hasn't been a lot of talk about the youth of the relays you won, you know, gold medals with this summer, right? Mm -hmm. You know, especially, you know, the four by four, I think, isn't it Sid the oldest person on the relay, which is kind of scary. Yes, which is yeah. nuts. That's so crazy. <laughs> that is right. crazy. Right, and then you come to the four by four and you take the the, the old lady Prandini uh, off of there and you got three babies again. And like, so how exciting is that for you when you think about the future of the, the relays in the USA and you know, what you could be part of something very, very special. Yeah, it's so exciting to think about, especially with how Worlds went this past summer, how much fun that was being a part of. I can't even imagine it getting better than that, but you know, it will, we're young and people are only going to continue to improve. Um, so I think that was really exciting. I know like with the ladies on the four by four, um, someone brought that up in an interview and we all kind of looked around for a second and we're like, you're telling us that the oldest person on this relay is 22 years old? Like, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so I think it gives us, like I know, speaking for myself and the other girls, it's, it's very energizing knowing that you're going to be running with a lot of familiar faces and be able to build that chemistry um and really kind of start chasing these world record goals that you know the four by four doesn't seem too far out of reach when you're looking at at the splits and the ages of what people did so yeah i think it just hopefully can provide a lot of energy and hopefully you know you're going to see a lot of the same faces at these meets and people will start to get to know these teams and these individuals and get excited to to watch coach hall am i correct that that was uh, i mean let me ask let me, let me ask the governor because i know he knows the answer to this question <laughs> Am I correct? And that was the fifth fastest time in history. Um, yes, I believe so. Okay. Right. Please. And so there were three collegians on that relay. Mm -hmm. That's right. So what happens when the when when we show up and they don't come off the collegiate season, right? Mm. Yeah. Unreal. No. Right. We're going to be able to see that relay grow, the four by one grow. And like alluded to before, it ain't broke, so don't fix it. Mm -hmm. right. Please say that again. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? 
and, hey, and going back make to that it. a t-shirt <laughs> i think i think that's the name of this of, of this show too yeah if it ain't broke don't fix it but even yeah. bringing back to Mar what marvin bracy was saying was that last week like whatever week mm -hmm. ago that was when he said you know the gentlemen don't have an excuse because the ladies took care of business so kudos mm -hmm. to you all for showing that like sometimes it's personnel sometimes it's not personnel but as long as all four pieces are working to the same goal, sometimes you just got to go left, right, left, right, turn left and go really fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, it works. It works really well. As, 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 I mean, as Coach Hall, he knows very well. <laughs> I mean, it's just left, right, left, right. I mean, everybody does exactly, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I want to I say this, and then we can let him go. Yeah. Um, I have had the opportunity to watch Coach Hall grow in the sport. You know, for when he was at, you know, at Charlotte, don't let him fool you. Yeah, I was running around crazy, but he was doing his thing too, right? And no matter where he's gone, he's elevated the situation there. And I remember having a conversation with him a few years ago. You're first in a Kentucky, and it was kind of an adverse situation, and someone had been injured, and you were frustrated. Right. And we sat down, and I was like, look, you know, we are both prayerful men. Right. You, you got, you know, we got to, you got to pray about this and you figured it out. Right. So clearly you prayed and, and you're listening, my friend. So, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. I appreciate your, your mentorship over the years. It's been welcome. Know, up trying to get me a mirror. That's 3d, you know, well, you know, um, <laughs> I'll let you take a picture beside mine. How about that? There you go. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'll take it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll say this just to continue the praises um, in having conversations with Sharice Woods. She's only echoed everything that's been said on the screen this evening. So to actually be able to have actual conversation, not just walk by highs and buys at nationals and whatnot with you, um, it only just shows the, the, the specialness of your soul and your heart. So um, I want to be very clear in telling you that. And um, continue doing that and being a great person for all of us to strive to be as as an assistant coach. So thank you for being you, yeah, Miss Abby Turner. Thank you guys. for being for being you. Job. Honestly, yeah, I, 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 I know I know I'm gonna shut up eventually too. But I got I got one last <laughs> thing okay. to say. And I'm gonna you, that, gotta, right? you gotta catch up. <laughs> so you know, it is clear to me and anybody with a brain, Tim Hall is a world class coach. Abby Sider is a world-class athlete, but they are those things because they're world-class people off the track. And that's why they are who they are. So if we're going to learn a lesson from this historic season, you know, learn the lesson of their humility, the fact that like, like they said, we just showed up every day and started all over again. Yep. And that's why this happened. Yeah, so good kudos, you guys. I'm, I'm, I'll be quiet then. It was the fourth. Well, well, I'm not gonna be quiet. Fourth last time. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm I'm not gonna be quiet. Um, listen, I I I've I've lived a very very blessed life, and and one of those blessings uh, was I got to spend a season working with that guy, and I I will tell you I I learned so much from Tim Hall. Um, I learned so much about myself because of Tim Hall. Um, and, you know, there are people that, that God puts in your life that, that make you want to be better, not just as coaches, but as people. And, uh, you know, uh, listen, I, 
if your if your goal in life is to be you know equal to the man that Tim Hall is, you got work to do. Absolutely. You know, I listen. I've been around that man with his with his kids. I've been around that man with his wife. Been around that man on a daily basis with athletes. And I'm telling you, it is very rare that somebody ascends the success ladder and does not change as a human. It is very rare. And that guy is the same guy that I met when I came on my visit to try to be employed at Clemson. And, uh, you know, listen, he, he knows how I feel about him, so I'm not going to go on and on. But I'll say this, Abby, he's definitely lucky to have you as a coach. I mean, like meaning as a coach to have you as, a, as an athlete, but you are equally lucky to have that guy, that guy in charge of your career because he is never going to make a decision that's not what's best for you. And that right there, as an athlete, you can't have better than that. You can't have better than that. So let, let me let me get this in while we're doing this. Um, you know, I agree with everything everybody else has said uh, about Coach Hall. And I just want to say, you know, I've been a fan of the work that you do for a while, for a long while. And to to the EP's point, none of your success seems to have changed you. And, you know, on the flip side, watching Abby's career change and evolve on the collegiate scene, like some people in this sport, both coach and athlete, make it really difficult to root for their success. Oh, Y'all make it easy. Y'all make it real easy. And so, you know, just keep doing what y'all do. I'm certain it's going to be nothing but success moving forward because that's what y'all do. And, you know, for me, y'all y'all have y'all made it very very easy to be huge fans of both of you so i appreciate that as a fan and and i think the governor can help me with this one as well wasn't it biggie that said nothing's changed but the number on the range look at this guy look at this guy tim before before you sign off um i mean my time at florida state in the wings in the acc your time at clemson um, I noticed really, really early on that there was a, there was something about you that I, I was drawn to you in terms of your energy, in terms of your calmness, in terms of how you dealt with your athletes. And I took a lot from you and, and you may not know this during that time, but, you know, whenever we were at a conference or whatever, you know, there was always that moment at some point during the meet, I would come over to the camp, we chop it up a little bit, and then we go about our business. Right. But I want to tell you that I do appreciate you for everything. Um, and you are someone in this profession that I, I look to, to emulate, and look to uh, in terms of your style. So trust me, you, you are, you, you're being watched and you're being appreciated. Well said. All the kind words, gentlemen. Um, as, as I say all the time, I'm just the vessel. Um, in my prayer time, I just, you know, show me, show me the way, you know. Um, and then I, I, I have to get out of my flesh sometimes to not be so stubborn, not to listen. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because that's when the problems ensue. So 
I'm and just, remember, I'm, as I've told you many a time, if you want to make God laugh, tell him what your plans are. Right, right. So <laughs> I try to just sit in quietude and, and listen and, and try to continue to do his will. That's all. Try to impact lives. And, you know, he'll, sometimes you get lucky enough to have athletes like, like Abby and, and some of the others. And you just have to make certain that you're doing right by them. So that's what I try to do. But I appreciate all the kind words. I appreciate the opportunity to be on the LLC. Coach, uh, it was it was interesting to hear how the, the concept evolved, but made a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you guys are doing great for the sport. I think, uh, you know, just the dialogue, you know, having an open agenda in terms of what you discussed is, is great for the sport. So anytime you guys want me to come back and, and chat with you, I'll be more than happy to do so. Only if you bring my home girl. <laughs> She's not telling me you can't come. Oh, hey, we're, we're, we're like married, man. It's like, I go exactly. so, it's, it's, yeah, then, then, you, then you can come. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for the two of you for joining us tonight. And we hope you enjoyed yourselves. Um, definitely, I will either make sure to tag you when we post the show or get yeah. the link to you. But um, it's been fun. You're welcome. Anytime, if you if you want to throw something out there, we will gladly have you on the tiles to let you speak your voices. Yes. So. Thank you all so much. It was great chatting with all of you and meeting you guys face to face and yeah. all that good stuff. So I really appreciate the opportunity and the thoughtful questions and doing your research about soccer and everything. It's fun to talk about. <laughs> had a great time. So. Good, <laughs> good. It was meant to be fun. Not you like know what? That's one quick parting question. Who's your favorite soccer player? Mm, that's a good one. I got to go Mia Hamm. She was legendary growing up. Mm -hmm. Legendary growing up when I was playing. <laughs> good answer. Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you two get some rest tonight. Have a great rest of the week, and we'll talk to you all soon. Okay. Thank you so, Thank you much. so much. Bye. You guys be good. Right. See you guys. Well, awesome. Now that the love fest is over, whoo, sheesh. That was, that I mean, was gushy. How that not, I liked it. How, how could that not happen that way? Oh, right? no. First, listen, all of it was heartfelt. I, I'm, I'm making fun of us, but, you know, we... No one can ever watch one episode of this show and say that we're not genuine. Right. Listen, okay, if, if I if I would have had a reason to get something petty in there, I would have. I just don't. <laughs> but they literally like said, it's easy to root for them. And that and that is that is one of the truest statements ever spoken by man. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Right. It's like if I could have got petty, I would have, but I, I didn't have it. Sir Lucius, by the way, Clyde was very complimentary of you. Uh, earlier on in the in the show, um, thank you, Clyde. Yeah, and of Ohio. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Because well, he he's got Ohio roots. He knows he knows how this rolls. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I have Ohio roots. I have Ohio ties. That's you right. Know? Yeah. Um, I would like to just highlight because this wasn't recorded. Um, how when Abby mentioned to the pro group that she was going to be on tonight, the other pros were like, "Oh, we know that show." Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. cool. I, I didn't agree. think that that was yeah. a thing. So, I right. mean, it helps when Lamar throws things out left and right and center for them to be like hating on him on. But, Fugazi. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, hey. 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 Hey.
anyhow. So um, falling into line, we do have some questions and topics to address um, per the normal, regular, not normal, I shouldn't say normal, that we are far from normal, regular occupancies of these tiles. Um, we have two questions from the audience that were brought up to us, and um, I want to throw them in the air and, and let's jibber-jabber them out. Um, so here we go. Uh, pardon me, these are not my words, so if I well, I stutter anyways, but if I stutter even harder, <laughs> it would be gracious. <laughs> um, male head coaches are often pushed, persuaded, and directed to ensure they hire female coaches. Why are female head coaches not held to these same directives? Ah. Hmm. This one made me think, and I don't know that ah. I have an answer. Well, uh, I, I think, I, okay, so, uh, oh, man, oh. I think I want to go first, but I'm not sure. No, you, you go <laughs> right ahead, son. You, you, I was going to say, you jumped into that one. Okay, so, all right, so, this is what I'm going to say. One, clearly, the female coaching population is in the minority. Mm -hmm. And so that is going to be your biggest reason why the female coaches are not given a directive to hire males because there's so many males that have jobs already. And so they're going to be given the same directive of you go find females who are capable before you go find a male. That's that would be my take on it. Um, I think to be fair, there should probably be some balance here, but I don't know how you create that balance when there's such an imbalance already in the number of male coaches versus female coaches, whether it be head or assistants. So okay. I think I did okay with that. Okay. <laughs> no, no, look, look, I, I, you, did, you did very well with that, sir. You did very well with that. Um, if I understand the spirit of the question, I, I'll, I'll go in this direction. It, it cannot be understated, and I will restate it because... Lucius just said it. The female coaching population is a huge minority in this business. Like the numbers are totally out of whack. And because they are, I feel like a lot of administrators or a lot of head coaches who are men feel like checking the box is good enough. And therefore, if there's a woman as a head of a program, that box has already been checked. So no one therefore is going to push in that direction. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but I'll say this, we can't let the tokenism of having a woman on staff be the starting and ending point to act like we're all doing better in that space. Think about it. If a female head coach had a all-female staff, that would be a controversy. It shouldn't be, but it would be. I'm a head coach. If I hired all women underneath me, that would be a controversy. It shouldn't be. If I find qualified people who so happen to be women at every position I need, rock with it. I'd, I'd love to do it, right? But it would be a, a, it'd be a, it'd be a story. May, may, may I ask what the controversy would be. I understand it would be a story. You, you know it would be. No, and, I don't. And, and, I, no, I, I'm okay. asking because, okay, I agree that it would be a story and yes. a good one. Yeah. I don't know what the controversy would be. It, it would be one of those, it would be, I, I'm not, and I'm not talking about like 
front page of a newspaper kind of <laughs> controversy. I'm talking about the sideline hustle comments. I'm talking about the group text comments. I'm I'm talking about the, you know, the conversations that we all are aware of and hear of and and live around. If okay. if a coach did that, you know there'd be narratives out there, like stupid narratives, instantly like, oh, that's never gonna work. Oh, the women will probably conspire against them. Oh, there's too much emotions on that staff. Like all kind of stupid things would be thrown into the ether if any of that came to be. And so I'm not going to sit here and pretend like like it, like administrators should be uh, pushing for anything, because honestly, I, that's just not my worldview. Right. I think the best people should get hired. Um, but I think it's a really interesting question. And I think that it's a thing that a lot of people don't really pay much attention to. Um, but we all need to do better. You know, my, minority hires in our business. You can look at it and say we do the best in our profession of collegiate sport, which we probably do. And you can also say we're not doing nearly enough, which we're absolutely not. So I, I think it's a great question. And I, I know we all can do better in that space. Um, that, that question, I mean, when I, when I first saw it, um, I mean, a plethora of things went through my head in terms of, you know, from, you could you could approach this with snark. You can yeah. approach this with, you know, where where are we going with this question? Like, you know, like really, like, are you gonna ask this question? Why are we but ultimately, um I think Sir Lucius answered the question. And and the bottom line is this as long as women remain the minority in our profession, and not just a little minority, but a significant minority, um, there is going to continue, athletic directors, uh, administrators are gonna to continue to advocate, advocate for a woman. There is a need for diversity in our sport. Let's, let's call it what it is. There's a need for this, um, you know, I mean, and I, feel like, you know, let's just take the second part of the, the, the question out of it. The women that are capable of doing this job, the women that understand the stressors that come along with doing this job and understand how to motivate and how to cultivate and how to, to grow athletes, of course, <clears throat> they deserve to be in this profession and they deserve to get a chance. There is no question about that, okay? So, you know, and, and I'll leave it there. I'm just gonna leave it there because, you know, we, we've already thrown the T word out there, tokenism and all of that. The bottom line is this, this job, requires a very certain specific set of skills yes. and if you're equipped to do the job then you should be given that chance no, none of which have to do anything with gender absolutely none of it. <laughs> that's that's 100 percent. yeah so i'll just leave it at that Whew. um yeah so much to unpack here and um <laughs> 
I mean, listen, y'all know how I am, right? Like, these are the kind of topics I think personally, like in person, every one of you has been with me when this kind of conversation has come up and y'all just pop popcorn and wait for my answer because you already know, like somebody's Touché. about to get it. Right? Like, so, but I, I'm, so I won't disappoint, but I will just say this. There is no question there need to be more females in, at every level of coaching in track and field. There's no question that there need to be more minorities spread out over a greater scope of event areas in track and field. But, but I, I, I want to say this, like I, you guys have addressed like why the men are not given, I mean, female coaches who are given the jobs are, uh, who have earned the jobs, let me say it properly, are, are not given that mandate. But I feel like all coaches should be given this mandate. If you hire an assistant, male or female, but I'm only going to address the females right now. If you hire a female assistant, it is your job to make them better as coaches than they were when you got them. Mm -hmm. Because the opportunities are always going to abound for them to move forward. And A, you don't want to be in the way. And B, you don't want to be one of the reasons they get promoted and they aren't ready because you have not fostered them and, and their skills when they were in your, you know, they were your, your assistants. You know, don't hire a female because she's a female, but then not coach them up. Like, that's insane. Yeah. yeah. And that happens so many times, right? And then, unfortunately, there have been a, a number of females who have then been promoted, and they've been led like lambs to the slaughter because they have jobs that they weren't prepared for. Mm -hmm. And, and I feel like the biggest disservice we do so often with our young assistants, so I'm not even going to just pick on the gender part, but for sure in this conversation, it's pertinent to, to the female assistants. If you have, if you have assistant coaches, please teach them. Please make them better. Please. Because you are doing nobody a service by not advancing them and praying that they grow beyond the job that you have for them. It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility. Yes, it is. Hey. Um, this is a quandary in my head all the time. So I don't know. You know, I like <laughs> all the things that have been noted, um, you know, sitting in the seat where I, I, I do wonder, and I, I, I don't know that this is common knowledge, maybe it's assumed knowledge that like, when we as females get hired, am I the token hire or am I getting hired off merit, you know, and, and the accolades or quote unquote accolades. Um, so it's, it's hard to, uh, to and have the, to and know the fact the that you have to actually go there in your mind yeah. is a problem. It is. That is, that is a problem within itself. It's a it huge is. problem. But you know what? But you know what, too? And, and I had a, a, a female, a young female in this business ask me that exact question one time. But are they hiring me just because? Mm -hmm. And my response to her was, the shit doesn't matter why. Just go, go kill it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Doesn't matter. And, you got in the door. So just go prove who you are. Right. Exactly. 
exactly because you've been given the opportunity and that, and that's what you know it's not necessarily the answer or or even dialogue that goes along with the question is at this point as a female who sits in that seat yeah put it this way and I'm going to say it so it's like in the most simplest way if you're dumb enough to hire me to give me the chance to outshine I'm gonna do it mm-hmm. that's right. and that's what it is and it's not about like oh stupid on you it's hey you let me come through the door so watch out yeah. and just get out the way you know and don't stop and I think you know when you take away the the description description descriptors of male and female or the the non-genders but so apologies my bad I'm sorry the descriptors um that should be the bottom line is giving the opportunities not because you're gifting but because they uh, they have put themselves in the position to receive the opportunity so I mean as females and obviously I'm not a head coach yet and I haven't sat in the seat to be like even uh interviewed as such but I would hope I would be given the directive as give the people the opportunity who need it, who deserve it, who have worked for it and who are ready for it. Um, my counter to the comments that were made about coaching up, preparing the female coaches and whatever, then why doesn't that happen continuously with the men? Why are the men not guided as thoroughly as steadfastly is that a word I don't even know steadfast as the females because we so okay I'm going to change that real quick we do see many or some head coaches who happen to be male that aren't ready for the position and fail oh yeah that happens all the time Mm -hmm. but so why is it that like you know we talked about doing the um the buddy system sure Mm-hmm. you know so why do we see so much failure still i mean i think you see failure across the board you know what i mean and uh, and it's it's not any kind of official policy of mine right but there are people in this business who i have a buddy system relationship with right i try to help them along their path some are men some are women some are black mm-hmm. some are white to me none of that matters it's can you coach can you do the job right but I'm not, I'd be lying if I, if I pretended like sitting in a head coach seat as a black male doesn't mean more to me than it, than it would otherwise, right? It does. Because if I screw this up, if I prove myself not to be ready for the job, then that's going to make it that much harder for the next person who looks like me at my age to not get that opportunity, right? So for me, Anybody who's come under me as an assistant, I do the best I can to prepare them for the next thing, whatever mm-hmm. that is, because they're representing me once they leave, right? See, uh, you know, being the elder statement, statesman on this panel, let me, let me say this, because I've dealt with this more than anything else. The biggest issue we have with track and field and the guidance of young coaches is that everybody wants to come in and reinvent the wheel, right? Like, it doesn't happen in football and basketball because it can't, right? Because they're part of a structure, part of a system, and they're forced to run the system. Now, when they branch off, they might 
add to the system a little bit. But in track and field, too many times these, these new assistants walk in and they think they've got it all figured out. Mm-hmm. So instead of diving in and listening to the head coaches or calling mentors, learn from the mentors, they're too busy trying to prove that they figured out track and field. And track and field was figured out hundreds of years ago. <laughs> yeah. So I think the right. word that I would like to paint a broad stroke with on this is ego. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing. And I, I, I come to that because just having a few mentoring conversations myself recently is you need to put your ego aside and follow suit. You don't have to agree, but you have to understand why or why not you won't implement such things going forward. So, okay. Sorry. Are we okay to move on? Sorry, I I don't want to jump ship before we're ready. Okay. Question number two. (laughs) I'm waiting for the eyebrows to pop up on this one. Is there really a need for indoors at the pro level? And if there wasn't an indoor, what would help if there wasn't indoor, would that help some athletes better prepare for the outdoor season, especially if we we're looking at having major championships every year? I don't like the second part of the question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm going to I'm I'm take I'm some privilege. I'm going to answer, I'm gonna answer this. Go ahead, first. Lamar. Uh, you know, listen, Sir Lucius said, said this one time on the show. The best coaches are always going to figure out how to get it done when, when, once you tell them what has to be done, right? So at the end of the day, if we removed indoors, like it's not going to all of a sudden change the levels of some coach. Like indoors was really my bugaboo, but now I got it locked in. Like that's not a thing, right? So at the end of the day, like, look, is there a need for indoors? No, there was never a need for indoors, right? It was, it, it was the, the sport came about as a breakup of the monotony of training, right so at the end of the day like sure there was never a need for it but it's here and there's no reason to get rid of it like like because what I like the most about indoors is this it gives you an opportunity to see people do like Femke Bowl run the 400 indoors okay so so there's that but it also is a like it's a choice Mm -hmm. like literally you do not have to choose to, to do indoors and you will not be penalized for it so at the end of the day, like, I, I, look, I like choices. I think, you know, he or she who dies with the most choices wins. Like, so, so having choice, I think is awesome. Um, it, it, it's an opportunity to show track and field on more televisions more often. So yeah, keep it. But, but like, is it necessary? Hell no. No, I'll be very <laughs> short here. Um, in, indoor is not needed by the definition of the word but indoor is awesome and why would it go away yeah again you you literally could choose not to do it and everything's fine but listen indoor track is dope it's it's way more intimate it's way louder and because of the nature of how things have to be because of the way the structure of it is you could almost argue it's it's differently just as exciting, right? Like indoor is, and the weather is always great. So I don't want to get rid of indoor. <laughs> I, I don't want to get rid of indoor at all. Um, pro indoor circuit is awesome. If you haven't been, you should go. 
you'll understand it's great so if you don't want to do it don't do it if you want to use it as a training tool use it as a training tool but no reason to get rid of it um agree with everything that was said um you know i feel like indoors is its own acquired taste and for those there are those people and uh, and i would say it's probably even more of a geographical thing um i mean indoors for professionals when you look at what they do over in europe compared to what they do over on this in the western hemisphere it's night and day if right. if, if you've ever experienced uh, a professional indoor meet over in Europe, you, it will blow your mind. I mean, from light show, laser show, I mean, it, it is it is awesome. It is absolutely a show. You you're in you you are a captive audience when you're in an indoor meet, and they can do so many things in that arena. I mean, it, it, it's fun. Um, and yeah, so so if anything. I would say the word operative word is it's fun. Okay. I would not compare the indoor season to outdoor season. There's no comparison whatsoever. The indoor season is, is, and there, and there are athletes that absolutely gear up for indoor season. And that is their prerogative. Okay. But in terms of what the general world and the world in general looks forward to, it's outdoors. So if, if, if it really comes down to what your preference is, I don't think it should be, I don't think you should get rid of it. I don't think you should touch it. Indoors is its own world and it, leave it alone. Yeah, I mean, very well said by, uh, by everybody. And I think the biggest thing for me is like, it's a part of the culture. It's a part of what we've been doing forever. And if you take it away now, it's just gonna kind of change like the feel of track and field, you know? Um, but I think the biggest thing here is like, you guys said, like there's people that do indoors and do indoors well and come outdoors and do outdoors well. There's also people that you never see indoors and they come up outdoors and they do well. So it's just like, it's a preference, it's a choice. And I agree with Clyde. I mean, never never had bad weather indoors. Give me, give me indoors at the Winter Olympics. That, that's what I want. I want indoor track. <laughs> you know, what? I've heard that a couple times recently. Mm -hmm. You know, and, making, and I'll say this: if, if you've never, if you've never been to an indoor world championship, you should probably do that. Yep. Yeah. Like that's one of the more fun track and field meets you'll ever go to. And the one thing I will say that is advantageous to indoors, right? And it's, okay, I, this is a Homer statement, but also true. The field events are way more center stage indoors than they are outdoors because everything's smaller and you. closer, and yeah. you can't get away from it. Pun intended. <laughs> right, but 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 like you know, look, if you're a fan of the field events, you should probably like head to an indoor world championship and knock both of those two pieces out, right? You get to see some really, really high-end world-class world indoor track and field. And you get to see like kind of a field event of Palooza. <laughs> <laughs> well Another put. word invented. Well put, I know, right? <laughs> I, I try. 
those that will be submitted to Wikipedia. Don't worry. Yes. <laughs> so, well, uh, entertainment from the audience. Thank you very much for those who continue to give us questions and who will give us questions in the future. Um, don't shy away from that because it's not only you who thinks of these things. I'm sure there's other people who has thought these things too. So please continue with those. Um, we are going to switch gears completely and uh, play a nice round of would you rather. Nice is an operative word, obviously, at this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it is. Well, I'm, I'm not. It's not my turn, is it? Yeah, no. So but Exactly. We'll so then it's, then it's going to be nice. Especially. It's not going to be nice. <laughs> I don't know. I tried to do this. I don't know. Um, <laughs> So, Mr. 62, you ready, sir? Oh, geez. Uh, yeah, yeah, I am. Okay. So, this one, it's not pertinent, but pertinent, or not. Anyways, would you have rather caught number 62 or been good with just seeing number 62? Wait, repeat. Would I have rather caught it or what? Or just seen would it? You, yeah. So you know it's funny, two million, right? two million or not? Yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, funny, right. like, there was a there was a whole uh, quandary thought process on my head, like as we were walking to our seats, because I knew there was no way I could catch the ball. I was sitting behind home plate, right? So it's not possible. But I, but it, it led me to ask myself this quandary question, right? Like, if I was in left field and the ball got hit to me and I caught it, like what would I do with it? So like my first thought is like, look, I would want to give it back to Aaron Judge. That's my first thought. And then I'm like, I have kids, <laughs> right? Oh and like $2 million, it's like, it would be irresponsible of me to give it away. Yeah. Right? It's okay. It, like, it's weird to think it like that because like I said, I love the Yankees. I love Aaron Judge. He's my youngest son's favorite player, right? Just a chance to meet him would be worth $2 million to the little guy. Mm -hmm. But $2 million will pay for everybody's school. <laughs> yep. I mean, right? So you can split the difference and sell it. Yeah. So at the end of the day, yeah, you can't sell it to Aaron. No, that's that. You got to sell it to the, to the people who want to buy it and let them deal with it. Um, so I guess, unfortunately, I, I mean, I actually hate myself for this answer, but it's honest. I, I would rather have caught it. Wow. So I mean, it was awesome to see it, but I mean, at the end of the day, listen, that's like asking me, would you rather find $2 million or not? Right. Well, that question's coming. Okay. Um, <laughs> would you rather get rich by luck or by hard work? I would rather get rich. I'm not really concerned with how. And, and that, only that because... Wasn't an option. That wasn't okay. an option. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One um, here's the thing. I am hardwired to, to work hard, so it won't matter how I do it. So I guess I'd rather I'd rather get rich by luck because it wouldn't change my work ethic. Got it. Like at all. Okay. Keep that work ethic at hand. Would you rather eat a cookie a day or a cupcake a day? <laughs> a cookie. <laughs> I'm not even really a big cupcake guy, so a cookie. Uh, leading into this. So, Leasters, I hope you're picking up what I'm putting down right now. Would you wear pants that don't fit? Would you rather wear pants that don't fit or shoes that don't fit? Um, pants <laughs> that don't fit because shoes that don't fit is painful. I mean, they both could be painful. Yeah, yeah could be, but shoes, <laughs> but shoes that don't fit are painful. You have no choice. That is going to be painful. Too big or too small. That's a problem. 
Okay. Well, in those pants with a cookie, with that money that you have, would you rather go to the mall during a holiday season or to the amusement park on a summer weekend? Oh, amusement park on a summer weekend. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a fan. I don't care. Uh, I, th that's one of the few scenarios where I don't mind the people. Um, and this one is just for poops and giggles. Would you rather read subtitles or listen to dub voices? Great question, actually. Uh, definitely <laughs> no, listen, li listen to dub voices because I grew up on Kung Fu theater. Man. I mean, that that was my European life in a nutshell. That's, yes, 100%. That is what we did. It's 100%. <laughs> I cannot, did. Chew, I cannot appropriately tell you how much I loathe subtitles. <laughs> I can't stand subtitles. First of all, Chuck doesn't like to read. <laughs> Let's start it, there. It's distracting. Let's start there. I don't even see what's on the screen. Because you're just reading. Oh, I mean, oh. Sub subtitles are not the greatest, but, but listen, dubbed in voices is that... It's absolutely hilarious. It's, it's like your own personal version of Mystery Science Theater 2000. Yep, I'm a nerd. The greatest movies <laughs> I've ever watched were subtitles. I mean, and, and I, but again, when you've spent 13 to 14 years of your life over there and you appreciate yep. the language and yeah, I mean, there's yep. some, you've, you've missed out, Clyde. I'm telling you, there's, <laughs> there's some very, very good movies out there that, you know, you you get you get sucked in. You know, so I have no doubt. They books because <laughs> no, at no. that point you've read the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> See, she Governor, doesn't like to read either. By the way, Governor, Governor, I don't disagree. I'm sure mm -hmm. there are. The problem is, I will never see them because I'm too busy reading the damn screen. <laughs> So I didn't see nothing. Oh nothing. my gosh. Uh, again, it's a book. <laughs> for Christmas, Clyde is getting books, is getting books on tape for sure. I'm with that. Uh, oh uh, my gosh. Okay, the floor is yours to, to would you rather or not. Okay, 62. Would you rather spend 48 hours with Barack Obama Ooh. or 48 hours with Martin Luther King Jr.? Oof. You know, there was a there was a long time ago where that that conversation would have been very, very difficult for me to pick. Um, it's not anymore. Um, listen, I love MLK and he's my frat brother, but if I had 48 hours unfettered with Barack Obama, listen, exactly. I, could, I, I could die and go to heaven. Well, yeah. and, and that's why I put and that's why I put him okay in it because I knew he was your frat brother. So. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> and that listen, I all got into that. I, I'm just gonna say this: like he is, he is definitely the most under underappreciated American human who will one day be the most appreciated. Absolutely. Right, like that man is going to age beautifully. Yeah. Like because I can tell you this right now: when Jimmy Carter was a president, nobody cared. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right mm -hmm. but then there was this time where like jimmy carter's like the sage like like everybody wants to talk to jimmy and i'm like okay if that will happen to jimmy carter trust me what will happen in barack obama's aging life is going to be a thing of beauty that's right 
All right, I'll, I'll go next. Good, because I have a really petty one for him. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I, I, was I was praying I'd get a petty Clyde question today. Jeez. Would you rather have Beyonce's talent or Jay-Z's business acumen? I've seen that question, and I've, I've refrained I'd for a good time. Have, uh, I mean, that's an easy one. Uh, Jay-Z's business acumen. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, when you get older, you realize like knowing what to do with the money is more important, more important than having the ability to know. make it. Yes. Right. But think about the think of that power meeting, right? Because Beyonce is not a slub. Like she's got business acumen too, maybe not to the the height. I'm not going to hit imagine. that softball right now, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're not doing that. <laughs> not, but not going there. But at the end of I'll, the day, like if you want, I'll if you really want the crackers. truth, like. Right. And even I won't say a better question because I don't want to disrespect your question, but I'll say this. There are people, if you ask that question about Shaq, that would get that wrong. Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. you ask, would you rather have Shaq's talent or have Shaq's business acumen? There are people who will be like, oh, I take Shaq's talent. And I'm like, you're an idiot. Well, Shaq, Shaq is well on his way to being a billionaire. And he's a, definitely a better businessman than he was a basketball player. And he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. So the, the question, like the, the real question is, would you rather have had his NBA career? Or would you rather his post NBA career? Uh, post NBA career. So many people would absolutely get that wrong. For sure. Absolutely. All right, sir. So this may be my best petty would you rap. Okay. See, now, now, now you're setting it up. You're setting yourself up for failure now because, you know, you, that's would a high you, bar. Oh, it is. But it's so perfect for you. <laughs> would you rather acknowledge 62? Or 73. Mm. Oh. Again, I think for other people, this question is, is more difficult. Sir Lucius has known me the longest. So he'll 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 this will ring the most true to him. I from the time I was like three years old, things being fair mattered more to me than anything on the planet. Right. And I just I hate cheaters. Do I think Barry Bonds is the first battle Hall of Famer by talent, even without the 73, without question? But at the end of the day, if you are on growth hormone and other things that are illegal and you hit 73 home runs, I don't even care if the reasons why you did it, I can understand because I definitely can. Um, I'd rather have the righteous 62 home runs than the questionable 73. Hmm. Like, they're not close to me. I'm not one of those people who's like, you need to strike Barry from the record books and yada, yada, yada. You want to know why? That's not my job. That's baseball's job. They got a mess to figure out. And they can't. They're not. I'm trying to think of the word without saying a bad micro word. They don't have the stones to police themselves. Right? Look, if Barry, if we're going to treat Barry like a pariah, so he's not going to Hall of Fame, right? Then why do we still have his record? Zzz. Yeah. Right? You can't, like, I don't, I don't get that. You can't have it both ways. Like he either is or he ain't. Right? If um, if 762, I think it is, whatever, I think it's 762 and and 73 are the records that someone has to pursue, then Barry should have been in the Hall of Fame like six years ago. Yeah. But if he's not going to the Hall of Fame, why do we still? Why are we chasing these records? Hank Aaron, seven fifty-five is the answer. I I, I agree. 
and 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 listen, we all we all understand both for practical and you know real life reasons. You're the baseball guy here, right? I grew up a baseball fan, and that seems to be the question of the week, right? Or the question of the past month, like which yeah. side of this, which side of this are you on? And I've heard smart things on both sides of it. What you just said ranks right up there with any of them. I just you know, if you're an actual fan of the game, it might be a tough question for some people. So good job, sir. I just feel like, it, thank you, but I just feel like <laughs> baseball just refuses to police itself. You know, like I wasn't old enough for when this happened, but I am old enough to, to the initial conversations about it, right? People love Babe Ruth so much that when, when Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle were pursuing the record, people were okay with Mickey Mantle breaking the record because he was talented enough and he's a favored son Yankee. Roger Maris was, was a traded for Yankee and he was not worthy. And, you know, he had death threats. This is craziness. But then he breaks the record. And what does baseball do? They, they, they are so married to their love to Babe Ruth that, that initially for like the first 15 years that Roger Maris had the record, it was listed with an asterisk because Babe Ruth hit 60 home runs in 154 games and Roger Maris hit 61 home runs in 162. And I was just like, are you guys serious? If you change, listen, football now has 17 games, right? Before they had 17, they had 16. Before they had 16, they had 14. We, we don't put any of the NFL records in with an asterisk because the NFL knows that's dumb. <laughs> well, Lamar, I mean, the, when, when pro sports, football, basketball, baseball, decided to move into this category, and you know exactly what category I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the, the idea that any drug involved uh, infractions are literally under one policy. So as a, as a fan, it's easily dismissed, right? The bottom line is we have to put the product on the field and they have to continue to do super heroic, crazy things. That is what drives a sport. So it's it's amazing to me, you know, and I've been watching ever since uh, Aaron Judge hit hit that home run. That the pundits, they aren't even afraid to 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 voice their support for Barry Bonds, no. their their support and their love for Maguire and Sosa, and and how much they romanticize that still. And it and it doesn't matter that these folks were on drugs and or not, mm-hmm. because the things are so muddled now that it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. Well, the funny part is like, if you're, if you're. Oh, he's frozen. Well. Battery? I don't know. Well, 
hold on to that thought and share it with the slave woman. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's your key to wrap it up too. I know, yes. like that's that's yes, that's the whole. So with that not being said, everyone have a safe week. Enjoy yourselves. Rest up. If you're going on fall break like some of us are, enjoy fall break because it's it's the quiet before the storm. That's what I keep saying, everybody. So have a great week, everyone, and we'll see each other soon. Bye. When the lights come on, the road just get to running. When the lights come on, opponents smash the plumbing. Would you like it warm, hot, knife the butter? Truth pin them hard, knock them off that rebuttal. Tsunami, tidal wave to your puddle. Tough love punch you in the arms, little brothers. Athletics double, I'll see it, there's no others. Track the field's pace and we'll peel to go further. Ayali, Coyote, it's Roadrunners. Feels like you know us, you've been with us the whole summer. If not for this quarantine, these four corners wouldn't be here, but we're here, so start learning. You gotta earn your stripes, gotta get your scars. Show you how to fight, but show us who you are. You lack experience, but still you wanna talk. And who is that you're talking to? Your circle's kinda small. Heads prevail when the backbone's strong. Gotta keep it coming, no, won't last long. Pass a fail, then sell the sad song. And if you don't check yourself, then that's wrong. Just trying to give you the real that you asked for. So why you keep cutting us off to ask more? We put it in slow mo, but you fast forward. Athletics, devil, I'll see the task force.